This is the Life Church Podcast. Well, thank you for joining us for our Christmas Eve service. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, we're, we're getting, how I many of you have like looked at 2018 and is like, wow, it's gone, you know, and 2019 is just about just around the corner. And so this kind of marks, this Christmas Eve kind of marks for us, marks the turning point, right, of beginning to look at new things. We, we've, it's the ending of one thing and the beginning of something new. And so as we look ahead, I think I'd like to speak to you this morning about, about uh, the wonder of Christmas, what God has actually done for you and I. I I've, I've celebrated 55 Christmases in my life so far. And uh, I mean, there's some of those Christmases that I barely remember. Remember what the gifts were or how they went, you know, what was what, what was it really in, involved? There's even some Christmas, I don't even remember where I was that particular, not because I was, okay, not because I was under the influence. I just don't remember where I was. <laughs> I was maybe just too young. But, um, but there are Christmases that are very memorable to me. Like I remember my dad, when I was 10 years old, gave me a football that was signed by Roger Staubach. Now, for many years, I thought it actually was signed by Roger Staubach, Staubach you know, but uh, I later, I mean, now I'm an adult and I realize, okay, he, I'm sure he didn't pay more than $5 for it back then. And so certainly it wasn't an actual signature. But I, I had that football, I cherished that football, I carried it around in school, you know, my friends were, we'd pass around in the, at the school, in the schoolyard and until a teacher came one day and said, hey, you can't be bringing it to class every day, you know, it's, you got to bring your school books, not your football, that kind of stuff, you know, and so yeah, you know, there are some Christmases that are not so memorable, there are some that are memorable. And I'm sure that you can also think of many. I mean, Christmas is really a time of incredible joy and satisfaction. Whether it's, I, could, I think it's happening even right now. Many of you are getting to spend time with family. That's a joyous occasion. Or maybe it's joyous because you're going to get the new iPhone X or iPhone 10. Okay, you know how old I am. I call it iPhone X. <laughs> Young people are like, no, it's not the X, it's the 10, right? Or maybe it's just because you're going to enjoy some, you know, some of your mom's holiday recipes. There's a lot of fun around Christmas. And today, what I'd like us to do as we uh, think about Christmas, because like I said, we oftentimes think about Christmas and it's all about the gifts. It's all about like the, the footballs or the, the, the iPhones or the food. But let's just kind of center ourselves this, this evening and, and remember why we're even here. The central focus of Christmas. I'd like to read out of, out of Luke chapter 2. We're going to talk about this whole thing, how this whole thing started, the incarnation of Christ, the fact that God is with us. In Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him, in, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, let me pause here for a second. You know that I'm reading something that was written millennia ago about the very thing that we're celebrating right now. 
So in some ways, this kind of brings, as I'm reading it, just this awe that comes over me as I think about, wow, 2,000 years later, we're celebrating something that we're reading about. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. This is the sign that we will recognize that the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior has come. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. That's the sign. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in, the, in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, or they were filled with wonder. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now we read this story from a perspective of 2,000 years of of story upon story upon story about Christmas. So all of you, I would suspect that most of you grew up having heard the Christmas story. You know the Christmas story. You're familiar with the Christmas story. And so as we read this, most of us are just kind of nodding or maybe even glazing. Our eyes are kind of glazing over a little bit because we already know this. We've heard it. And yet the story starts almost unimpressively. First three verses, it's just really history. It's a moment in history that's, there's nothing really impressive about it. It's just sort of a side note, right, about the emperor Augustus and this Quirinius who was a governor. And there's not any kind of real significance for us today as we read the story. It doesn't really mean a whole lot, but it does mean something in the story. And I think oftentimes that's how we navigate through life. We, we navigate through life not really paying a whole lot of attention to what's happening around us. We see our lives as just kind of haplessly just going through life. You know, it's, it's all incidental. And I think sometimes we miss God. We miss what God is doing around us. So I like to really talk a little bit about that. The reason why we miss God is because it just looks so ordinary, right? I mean, if I was sitting there and I was talking to you about some emperor in, you know, 4 BC and, you know, some governor named Quirinius, if I was just telling you that kind of stuff, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. Has no significance for my life. It means nothing to me. And yet, even in the story, even in the history of this, God has something to say to us. You see, God often appears in the most ordinary of situations. He does. But the problem is that we're not looking for God there. Right? We're not really looking for God in the ordinary. And yet that's where he often, most often appears to us. He steps into the common and he makes it uncommon. 
He steps into the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. That's really the God that we serve. And so if you, and you understand that, right? Some of you understand that, I'm sure. Because if you think about your own timeline, your own history, and you think about where you've been in your own life, as you start tracking down your life, you know that at some point in your history, God intersected your life. And you might have up to that point felt like, man, my life is ordinary, it's common, but suddenly I have significance, I have meaning, I have purpose, because God has now intersected my life. And that's really the God that we serve. That's really what he wants to do. Like, I mean, if we took out what we know about this story, that God, you know, steps into human history, this would just be another story. It would just be another story of, you know, empires and civilizations, right, of governments and trying to, you know, to deal with the people that they were governing. A Roman government that really didn't care if it inconvenienced a, a teenage pregnant woman making her travel for the purpose of a census. I mean, the specifics of the lives of Joseph and Mary are, are just incidental in the bigger picture of this census. And the reality is that, that before that moment, before that intersection of this baby born, Joseph was just a carpenter. That's all he was. Mary was just a teenage pregnant girl. The shepherds, well, they were just shepherds. The magi were just Eastern mystics that just had this propensity to study the stars. That's who they were. But then Jesus enters into the story. Listen, I promise you that before this moment in history, nobody, nobody was decorating their mantles with little shepherd figurines. Nobody was. Nobody was highlighting some baby in a manger. There were no three wise men that people were all excited about. Before this moment in history, none of that was, I mean, it, this, is, this is as common as you can get. And the reality is I think that what we have done is we've sanitized Christmas a bit. See, we look at it through the perspective, like I said, of 2,000 years of history. And, and we take out, we, we extract the divine out of, you know, we, we, we don't think about, you know, how human this really was, how common this really was, how ordinary this really was. In fact, I think it would, be, it would be good for us if we could go to Walmart and buy a, you know, a nativity scene that was like the, you know, kind of the scratch and sniff kind. Like you scratch it, you know, and then you get a whiff of what it really smelled like. I mean, it's sheep and it's goats. I mean, it's, it's shepherds, stinky shepherds. But that's not what we see when we think about the first Christmas, right? It's easy for us to extract the human out of the divine. And I wonder how many of us live with this secret doubt. I mean, we look at our very ordinary life, our very common life, and we wonder, can, do, can God do anything with me? Is it possible that God can actually do anything for me or in me? I mean, yeah, okay, he's great, he's powerful, he's strong, but does he even see me? I mean, we hear stories of greatness, we hear stories of heroism, but that's not us. I mean, I just work nine to five. <laughs> I mean, I love God and all, but I fight with my wife. I want the best for my kids, but 
Sometimes I come unglued to some of the decisions that they make and I say things I shouldn't say. I mean, if I look at my life, I look at my life and I see it as very ordinary, very common, and I suspect that some of you sitting out there feel the same way about yourselves. It's very ordinary, very common. The fact is that that's what humanity is all about. We are, we are the material of mangers. We are. We're common. We're ordinary. But it's there where God steps into the picture, into our ordinariness, into our commonness, into our humanity. That's really what the, the, that's really what the, uh, you know, the incarnation is all about. God took on flesh. He became human and walked among us. <clears throat> I mean, I couldn't get any more ordinary than a, a carpenter with a pregnant teenage girl, teenage wife, right? Aside from this divi- divine element of conception, um, Mary still had to go to term with her pregnancy. She still had to feel a little bit of morning sickness, labor pains, back pain. I mean, it's like God's trying to make a point here. It's like God's trying to tell us that this is, that it's just the most ordinary, most common possible way. God wants to intersect our very lives. No matter how, how common or how ordinary you see yourself, God is ready to intersect your life. It's almost as he's saying to you and me, I'm right here. I'm present. In fact, one of his names, one of the names for God is Emmanuel. You know, we know names for God, Jehovah, Nisi, and all these different names. But one of them is, is Emmanuel, which literally translated means God with us. God is present. God is with us. He's here right now. And that's really what God wants. He wants to step into your ordinary life. He wants to step into your very common life. He wants to step into your job situation, into your family situation, into your marriage. He wants to step into your life on a Tuesday morning when it can't get any more ordinary than that. That's where God wants to be. The question is, are we seeing it? Are we recognizing it? That's really what the incarnation is all about. That God is present. He's not this distant idea. He's not this hope for the future. He is here right now, literally just a prayer away. But often it's hard for us to see that. It's hard for us to see God in the ordinary because we see God in the extraordinary, right? We, we see God when, you know, when, he, when he heals the sick, when he parts the seas. I mean, God's there for sure. But you need to understand something right now. God is here right now. Right now. And I'm not using that as metaphor, metaphorical language. I'm not using it as literary language. I'm saying he's here right now. He's literally just a prayer away, a whisper away. The shepherds were told that the sign of God being with them was this infant in some very ordinary circumstances, in a smelly stable, a carpenter father, a teenage mom. And maybe the sign that, that Jesus is present is that he's at work in, in you, very, in a very ordinary you, right? That even right now as I'm talking, you might be sitting here, and God is speaking to you and trying to convince you 
to not make that destructive choice that you're about to make. Right now, while I'm talking, maybe you're sitting there and, and you're getting some words of wisdom from God for a friend. And ordinarily, you kind of consume with your own self and your own life, but right now, God is speaking to you for the purpose of helping a friend. Or maybe it's that he's placed inside of you this desire to live for more than what this world has to offer. This is God at work. This is God present. That's really my story as well. I'm the oldest of, of five brothers. I have four younger brothers than me. It's really sad when I realize that two of my, um, three of us brothers are over 50, so that means makes me feel really old since I say I'm the oldest of five brothers. I was raised by a single mom. In 1980, my family, we immigrated to the States from the country of Panama. That's where we, we grew up. Um, it was my grandmother, my mother, us five boys. We moved in with my, with my uncle and his wife and, and their three kids into this tiny little three-bedroom house. I mean, it was like very Latino style, you know? Everybody kind of just makes a way. We all, I mean, anyways, I could go on and on about that. But honestly, as I think about it, I think about, you know, I kind of identify with Mary and Joseph. I kind of identify with a very common circumstance, a very ordinary circumstance, circumstance of their life. And yet it took a while before I recognized that God was able to intersect that of my, in my life. We soon, my family soon found ourselves in some government-subsidized apartments there in Duncanville, Texas. And um, I have to be honest with you, the way I felt at that time, I was a little 18-year-old boy, and um, I felt like a little tiny fish in a big, gigantic ocean. I felt like there was really no hope for my future. I wondered if there was anything, if my life would amount to anything, I guess in a word, I felt very ordinary, very common. And that's when I met Jesus. In the middle of my hopelessness, in the middle of my poverty, in the middle of my crisis, the story of Christmas intersected my life. And suddenly I found hope. And what was common now became uncommon. What was ordinary now became extraordinary. Now the story of Christmas, which I had known from a kid. I mean, I sang the songs growing up. It was that story that I knew, but it was a distant story. It wasn't my story. But suddenly, at that very moment, it became my story. My story of a Savior who was born for my sins. And so that I could have life. It became very, very personal. And so, I guess the question for you this morning, this afternoon, I'm used to preaching in the morning. <laughs> the question for you this afternoon is, is Christmas this, just this point in history for you? Is it this sweet story of the past? Is it, or maybe it's even less nostalgic than that, maybe it's just a, an opportunity to get Christmas presents. <laughs> is that what it is? Or is it more than that? The challenge for you and I 
as we read through the Christmas story, as we read through all of the circumstances that we see, as we read through, we see the divine, we see the, 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 amazement, the amazingness of God, but for us to pick out the fact that there is some ordinary factors in it. There's some uncommon, I mean, there's some very common scenes in it that you and I can identify with, that you and I can actually say, yeah, that's me in the story I'm like one of those shepherds. I'm like one of those shepherds who showed up and, 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 and I, you know, I was just living my very mundane, ordinary life and suddenly I came in contact with the Savior of the world. And he wasn't just the Savior of the world, he was my Savior. So what I'd like to do is, I'd like us to stand, I want to pray. And we're gonna, we're gonna worship here one last time. But here's the question. And I, you know, at the risk of just sounding redundant and at the risk of sounding like, okay, yeah, every, every Christmas Eve service I go to, this is what they ask. I hope that you can step out of that for a moment. But the question is, are you here Christmas Eve because it's just the tradition? It's just a story I always knew. It's just the, you know... This sweet baby Jesus thing that I get to do. We, we, have a, we have a routine in our family. You know, we have a tradition in our family. We go, to, we go to Christmas service, and then we go and we open presents, and we eat a lot of food. Is it that? Or can you say with me, no, it's much more than that. It's personal. That baby born in the manger, rep- born in that stable, sleeping in a manger represents my life being transformed. I have surrendered my life to Jesus. If you could say that, I, I just want to pray. And as we're praying, if you have made that confession, if that's your story, then just pray with me and rejoice with me this Christmas Eve as we are celebrating the birth of our Savior. But if you're here this afternoon and you've never made that prayer, you've never asked Jesus into your life, you're missing out on the greatest gift that's ever been given. You're missing out on the greatest gift that's ever been given. Peace, hope, joy, satisfaction that only comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't ever made that decision, then I'm going to ask you now as I'm praying to simply pray with me. And in your heart of hearts, say, Lord, I just give you my life. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to start. But God, I just give you my life. I start with this prayer, this confession. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for Christmas. We're thankful for the opportunity to be with family and to open Christmas gifts and to to have great food and even time of off work. God, we're just so thankful for all of those benefits of this the Christmas holidays. But Father, more than anything else, we are thankful for the essence of the Christmas story that his child was born. This child grew up, he healed the sick. He made blind eyes to see. He brought hope to the hopeless, peace to those who were in turmoil. God, he said it, he said it, he said, gave freedom to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, saved her life. And that same Jesus that was born in a manger was also the Jesus who went to the cross for our sins. So that all of us today, 2,000 years later from that removed from that that moment 
all of us today could experience true peace and joy in life. And so, Father, right now, we as a collective, as a community, confess you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. You are God. And we thank you for everything that you have done for us. We accept you as our Lord, our Savior. We invite you into our heart right now. I ask you, Jesus, to become my Savior. More than just a baby born 2,000 years, I ask you to become my Savior. In Jesus' name. This is the Life Church Podcast.